Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Business Book Show. And I have on uh, the show today one of my, uh, I guess, professional heroes, Jack Mitchell. Now, uh, for anyone who is in uh, sales, um, you should have come across the book, Hug Your Customers. It's a Wall Street Journal bestseller and bestseller on, on a couple of other different uh, lists. And then uh, there was Jack's follow-up book, Hug Your Your, Your People. And it's based on uh, Jack Mitchell's experience as the as – the, uh, um, as the, <laughs> my words fail me. It's always bad for a, a wordsmith to, to lose his way. <laughs> uh, third generation retailer in uh, in Connecticut is where I was uh, where I was going with that. Um, excuse me, three generations of a retailer in uh, in Connecticut, and uh, Mitchell's has they've clothed U.S. presidents, senators, uh, celebrities. Uh, People from all of the the Fortune 500, everybody um, who's anybody knows that if you want to get uh, you want to do clothes right, you go to uh, you go to Mitchell's. And so um, he took all of those years of experience, um, turned them into two wonderful books, um, which is how I, I came to uh, to meet him. So Jack, thank you for taking the the time today to talk to us about mm-hmm. your book. Derek, I'm thrilled to do that. Thrilled to share a. Um, about my book and and um, also to have the, the the pleasure of doing it with you. Well, so what what was the the impetus for the for the book? What made you one day get up and decide I, I want to write a, a book about uh, about a clothing store? You know, I guess I always had in the back of my mind or in my in my heart that I wanted to share how. My brother and I and our family and my mom and dad, you know, started our family business and how we've grown the family business over the years. And what happened actually it was just back in 2001. It was at the um, uh, CEO summit in our industry at the Boulders, a nice place to have a conference. And I was asked to be a a, um, a panelist, not a keynote speaker in those days. Um, to describe our fam, to describe businesses, and I was one of six. Before our panel went on, at about 8:30 in the morning, Robin Lewis is one of the gurus in our industries, and we're in the men's. We sell men's and women's clothing. That's our the products that we sell, upper end in the luxury space. He he jumped up and down, and it was the dot com era. If you're old enough, young enough, or whatever, to remember that that time when when he got up and said, if you didn't have a sexy website, you know, bricks and mortar stores were over in a decade. You, everybody was going to be buying every bit of merchandise on the Internet, whether it be a tie, a sock, a um, a blouse, a skirt, um, a piece of jewelry. Everything was going to be done on the Internet. And the bricks and mortar stores were over. Um and and everybody cheered, you know. They say everybody agreed with that. There were 300 plus, more or minus, CEOs that were in the room. And um, then our panel came up, and we all had five or six minutes to talk about our businesses. And and the first CEO, she said essentially the same thing. Next gentleman, he said the same thing. And I got up and I it was one of these stages, Derek, where you can sort of walk down in the middle of it. And in the middle, of, you know, and I, I said, you know, not, you know, we're going to thrive 
and not only survive, we're going to thrive over the next decade because we're all about something I haven't heard anybody talk about yet. We're about customers. Customers for us are the absolute center of the universe. And and we believe that, that, that there's a place for customers to have experiences in our stores. And, and they come in one customer at a time, and we know their names and their nicknames and their birthdays and their anniversary dates and their kids' names and their name of their dogs and their cats and 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 we know they're we, we know absolutely with our with our technology that we do have and we use it to record all the sales we know every skew to every single the customer that we've that we've sell, sell to what they buy what they don't buy but better than that we we try to get to know it's not just my myself and my my family it's our sales associates that are on the selling floor everybody's in the store welcoming like you're welcoming someone into your home and we have coffee, which my mom and dad started in 800 square feet in, in, in uh, you know, over 50 years ago, I said. And they, they were in 800 square feet, and their mom brought the coffee pot from home to serve coffee and welcome our friends, who were, of course, our first customers. And we're still doing that today. And we, we, we just make people feel comfortable and make them feel great when they're shopping with us in our stores. And... Um, you know, it's our seamstress tailors. They, they they build relationships with the customers. Our buyers. Well, how how do you know what to buy unless the buyers are on the selling floor, meeting and greeting and listening to what customers are buying and why they're buying. Or if we have a, if we have a new if somebody has a new collection, what kind of collections we should be buying, because our customers travel the world. So, I, I I just emphasize this over and over again. This personal relationships one customer at a time, center of the universe. And then we sat down and our panel finished and I walked off the stage and there was this round, these round tables, if you can just picture this, and this gentleman who was the head of Berdolf Goodman at the time, a great, great store in New York City, owned by Neiman Marcus, he put his finger in my face and he said, Jack, the next thing you're going to tell me is you and your employees actually hug your customers. And I closed my eyes and I saw my brother Bill who is actually in the next office here in a minute? He just came off the selling floor, and I can hear him. And he, you know, I, he, my brother came out of the womb hugging, literally bear hugging. I saw a gentleman who just retired after almost 50 years working at Richards, our store in Greenwich, Connecticut, uh, which was our second store. Frank Alagi, who who was hugging. In fact, today over the, I somebody told me Matt Lauer today on the Today Show was talking about Richards and Frank and all the people that he's been with and been clothing him over the years. So whether it be Matt Lauer or Al Roker before Al lost all that weight. And I said, I said, doesn't everybody hug their customers? And I realized just like that, Derek, that not everybody does hug their customers. And then I said, what's a hug? You know, a hug is any, it's a metaphor. Yes, it can be a bear hug, but it, it's a metaphor for any tiny act or deed, you know, that actually, that actually touches the customers. I began to think that way. And then my eight minutes or six minutes or whatever it was and my reaction to this gentleman, I said to myself, um, gee, maybe I could be a speaker because at the time I was 64 years old. And I was saying to myself, my brother Bill and I had always wanted and we had, we were in the process of completing it, gifting the equity in the business and the real estate we own, building here in Westport, we own a build, building in Greenwich. And then we subsequently you know, have stores in San Francisco. We have a store there on the real estate. And we, we had gifted all this to our sons. We have four sons. My brother has three. 
and they were they were in the family business, all of them running the helping run the family business. And so I thought, well, what, what was I going to be doing, you know, ten years hence? And I said maybe I could be a speaker, and that sounded great. So because they asked me almost a week later, would I be a keynote speaker at the next meeting, which was for all the menswear? And I said, sure, I'd love to. And that I began to say, what was I going to talk about? And one of my sons said, Dad, remember you mentioned what Ron said about hugging your customers? And I said, yeah, I said, that's that's what you should do. You should focus on how we do that, why we do it, what 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 motivates us to do it all these years and how we how we've built it into the whole process of strategically of what we do. And so I did that and that turned out to be a very everybody loved my speech candidly, without sounding in, in with some humility. And and then all of a sudden, um I contacted the Washington Speakers Bureau, and I said I'd like to be speaking on on this hug your customer idea, personalizing customer service the Mitchell way. And Tony D'Amelio, he was actually a customer, even though it was the Washington Speakers Bureau. He said, Jack, you need a book. You you can't. Nobody's going to listen to you unless you know. Nobody's going to pay you. And while the money was secondary. Even it wasn't my high priority at all. For me, it was just putting it down in a piece, just sharing our ideas from our family with others. And and so I said, okay, well, I'll think about that. And then three weeks later, in waltzed Jack Romanos, who at the time was the CEO of Simon and Schuster. He was a good customer, a great customer, and a friend. One of his, one of our boys had dated his daughter in Wilton, Connecticut, where we live. So I said to him, Jack, I got this great idea. It's called Hug Your Customers. Sexy, he said, yeah, I love it. Sexy title. I said, well, what do you think? He said, I'll give you an hour of my time. Get your thoughts together and come into the city. Call my assistant. So that's what I did. And I called and and I made my little presentation. I'm dyslexic, so it was hard for me to write it all up. But I put some notes down. And he brought out Fred Hills, who was his editor-in-chief at the time. And they both loved it. And so that's what happened. And, and I, while he didn't buy the book, I, I eventually, um, eventually, he, Fred said to me, Jack, you're, you're not going to write this book yourself. You need help, don't you? I said, of course I do. I said, I'm a retailer, not an author, not a writer. But, you know, I, I went to graduate school. I, but, of course, my, my degree, would you believe, is in Chinese history. I have a master's degree in Chinese history at Ber- from Berkeley. Um, but, I, you know, I can write. I can, you know, but but... <laughs> But he said, and he said, you know, I'll find far from uh, far from home. <laughs> right. I, I, he said, I, you know, I can, uh, I'll find your collaborator or ghostwriter. I said, great. And he found Sonny Kleinfield, who has been my, my, I call him collaborator, um, on my two books, and I'm, I've written a couple more that hopefully will be published, um, so someday, and. He's, you know, he. I have the ideas. He, I dictate them up. I write them up, and then he makes. He's captured my voice, and he makes them sing. And it became a second career for me. I've done the book, as you well know, has sold, you know, several hundred thousand copies. You know, and then the second book came along because everybody asked me, "How do you find these people that you talk about?" Because one of the paradigms in my book, which is that you, I'm sure, remember, is very simple. Most clothing stores like ours, which are great ones, Neiman's, Barney's, Saks, you know, Nordstrom's, they, they, they even Nordstrom's, they, they, their best, they, 
they're they're really product oriented more than they are service oriented, and they very rarely talk about their people. Well, I flip it around and I say it's all about great people. We have to have good people that we can educate and train, and then they become really excellent in whatever they do. They be tailors or or seamstresses or sellers or buyers, and then they they deliver this personalized service. And then, by the way, we have the finest products in the world. We try to for our customers. Um, but if you wake up and you're part of Nordstrom, part of Neiman Marcus, you're, you wake up thinking product, what's selling today? What's the fa- most fashionable part of? And then you think, I mean, Neiman's gives personal service, but that's not their, it's not their driving force, not their, not in their DNA first. That's my opinion anyway. And then, then of course, they, they very rarely talk about their great people, where we're all about great people, because you don't give personal service in a vacuum. Derek, obviously you give it with through great people. And so I wrote about all that, and um, the book sold a lot of copies, as I said. I did, I've done over 200 motivational speeches throughout the country and the world on my, pers- on my, my book with companies like Merrill Lynch and you know Starbucks and Nike and many different other places here. I did them in South Africa. I've done them in, you know, all over the world. And and I love it because it's been a sort of a second career for me. And then I also enjoy it because I learn something every time I do a, a speech. I get to meet the top people in the company, and then I learn what's happening, what's new, what's exciting, and I bring that back to our family business. I could go on. I don't know what else. What, what else you'd like to to ask me on it? But to me, it's been a wonderful journey. It's changed my life, and I, I, um, you know, I still wake up thinking what what I'm going to be writing and doing. You know, I've I've written a book on um, even a more of a interesting book on selling the whole process of selling that I'm that I'm negotiating now with publishers. But but I still love my day job. I'm you know I'm on the selling floor, you know, on on busy times. And on weekends, Saturdays, here in Connecticut, and when we, you know, the stores have grown from this little 800 square feet foot store in 1958 when my parents were in their mid 50s, to now we have eight stores: Westport, Connecticut, Greenwich, Connecticut, Richards, Huntington, Long Island, Mitchells of Huntington, San Francisco, Wilkes-Barre out of bankruptcy in 2009. Wilkes went bank bankrupt. And Wilkes has a store, had a store. We have the stores in Palo Alto, so we have two in the Bay Area. And then just a year and a half ago, we put a partnership together with Mario Bizio in Seattle, Washington, and Portland, Oregon. So now we have eight stores. He has two in Portland. So we have eight stores. And um, again, this whole hugging idea, this hugging culture of hugging your customers, of of every little you know, actor deed that makes them feel great. Um, and we, I tell hugging stories, you know, and then all the next phase is I'm actually doing workshops for companies now where, you know, after they hear my speeches and read my books, they say, don't you have a workshop? And I've teamed up with a company called the New Haven Consulting Group, and we're partnering to do workshops. We're just in the early phases of that, but I, I dream it will be a, a good-sized business because I think companies are, especially in today's day, because business in the retail side, it doesn't have to be retail. It could be any any business that has customers, but they're, they, 
they, they, they need specific things to help them educate their associates to, to really personalize the relationship with each and every customer. How do we do that? So that's sort of the background. Of... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh. No, I'm I'm open for your comments and your, you know, you you you've heard probably heard and read my stories, but what, what do you think? Well, talking about stories, one of the the things that I love about hug your customers is that I mean, Jack, you, you could have written a, a book that was quite you know prescriptive. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. These are the the computer systems that you have in place, but you, you didn't. Your your whole book is this wonderful collection of of relevant stories and, and anecdotes, and you know, put together um, you know, quite quite well. But what I what I love is just uh, in in those stories, your reader is able to connect with with you. So it's not just. Uh, uh, reading this book that has this information on, on how to, to sell better and how to give the customer a better experience. But you tell a story, and in that story, they see, they get the inspiration for uh, having that as, as a goal. But in doing so, they get to connect with you as as an author. So I imagine, I mean, just like, you know, for, for us, this is the first time that you and I have, have ever spoken. Right. <laughs> over the phone. But yet, I feel like I, I know you. I, I've read about your sons. I mean, I, I remember the the story about your uh, your parents, and you're, you're talking about your mom and the and the and the coffee pot. I remember that. You know, out of the out of the book, those those little details. That's what makes your book so rich, so memorable. Thank you, thank you. That makes it always makes me feel great when I hear that, because it, the, the, you know, it's. I believe stories. You know, from the very beginning of time, I think people that tell stories, they relate. If they're, if they're, they have to be genuine, this is the big part. And you picked up. I mean, every story I have is for real. I mean, my my opening story, actually, in my Hug Your People book, was generated because every time I do one of these speeches, most before I wrote Hug Your People, they would say, even though I put it in my Hug Your customer book, this idea of, it was called The Big Secret. That was a whole part or chapter part that I had because that was about people. But they would say to me, how do you how do you find these people? You know, you know, how do you hire them? How do you do this? And, and I was thinking about maybe doing, emphasizing that in a second book. And my assistant at the time, you know, but very rarely these days do we get real letters, right? I mean, everything's email or texting, even in the, even in, even in 2008 and 2009. But my my assistant put some um, a, a, a eight-page calligraphy letter in green calligraphy from a woman named Sarah Butterfield, who I I changed her name in the book, and she said in this letter to me, I read it on a Sunday. She put this my mail together on a Saturday night. And I read on a Sunday, I said, you know, if everything you say in your book, I just read your book, Hug Your Customers. And she said, if everything you say in the book, I want to work for you and your family. Because where I am, I, I sell a million two hundred thousand dollars worth of shirts and ties. But they won't let me. It's against the rules. As you know from my book, we're, we're a values-based company. We're not a rules and regulations-based company. Um, we have guidelines and high standards. Anyway, she said... They won't let me sell, you know, suits and sport coats. 
and shoes, a whole wardrobe, because I'm building these relationships, but they're all around shirts and pies. I want to build them around people. And she said, and then, these, of course, the men are, are married, and they, most of them are married to females, but some are, are gay. But, I, but they won't let me sell women's wear in the store. And, you know, there these rules. And she said, you know, I'm a, I'm a single mom. I'm in New York City, but I need... I need to be able to, to I, w- I want to grow my business. I want to grow myself. And you know what I did, Derek? What do you think I did on a Sunday? I picked up the phone and I called her, right? <laughs> when I called her, and then she came up the next week. She lived to our Greenwich store, Richards in Greenwich, which, by the way, started, you know, we bought in 1995, you know, and it was across the street and 8,000 square feet. I was doing about, $9 million and 8,000 square feet, which is a, even in those days a nice number. And we moved it across the street to 27,000 square feet and what put women's wear as well as men's wear. Anyway, she came in and it was eight interviews later because it was more important for her to make sure that she was making this a good decision, a great decision, because we try to hire people for for life, for a career. We That's where who we are. We want to make sure that people... At least in the beginning, you know, it's a free country, thank goodness. We, they can leave when they want to, and we can fire at will. But that's not who we are. We're trying to take people and that really want to work in this kind of a, of a, of an atmosphere and a, in a, in a, in a, in a, an environment and a culture that really wants to make people feel great, and gives them the tools. We enable them to do it through obviously the products we sell. But as you said, we're very data driven. We have very simple, sophisticated computer system. That, so we know the score on everything, you know, what they sell, what they don't sell, everything about the customer. And then we, as we learn about you, we put it into the computer, and then we, and then we find out who you are. If, they, if, if we haven't found that in conversations, you know, we, we can obviously Google you. We find out who you are. And the rest is history. Anyway, she's become one of the most prolific sellers we've ever had. And she moved eventually to the community and, and part of the community. So... Those are the kind of things that that was my second book, Hug Your People, the various parts of um, various elements of being, you know, recognized. What are the principles of that particular book? But again, the same thing happened. I just felt I had to write it because it was something that people were asking me about. And I, and I, you know, I don't know about you, but I've other authors that you've talked with, but I learn every time I write something, I learn about myself and other people. That's the most, I mean, I pull, I, I don't try to push, I try to pull, pull information and things out of people. And then when that happened, it pulled a lot about, I mean, I had the question, as you said, why did I write the book? What was the purpose of it? And I came to the conclusion, clearly it wasn't, I mean, I like to make money, but the the money of the books that where I have been, have made some money is on my speeches. But I did, again, I learned as a consultant, you know, with speaking, if you don't charge, the people don't show up. And and uh, and then and when they show up, isn't it? I mean, consultants, if you if you don't pay a consultant, you know, you may not think it's valuable. And yeah. and then and then they buy books. I mean, if I mean, I've sold, I've done speeches where they, you know, Starbucks bought I don't know three or four thousand when I did part of their leadership speeches in two thousand four. And Lexotica bought the same kind of so, you know, and that's what's going to be happening now in the workshops. If 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 this workshop idea, which I believe it will, but when it does, if I have a big company, which I can't tell you who I'm talking with, but 
but there's the large companies that, that want to know how to do personalized service better than they're doing. And the book and other ideas will generate um, a lot of people reading the book and a lot of people going through the workshops, and it could be financially like a, like one of these startup companies that that we we sell to the leaders in Silicon Valley. I mean, our store in Palo Alto, I can't even tell you the people. I wouldn't tell you the people that we have there, but you can imagine with Apple and Facebook and Instagram and um, you know Google and all these, we have some of the real leaders of Silicon Valley because they don't know anything about clothes, but they know everything about technology, and they they respect us. I mean, Steve Jobs put in his in his book, um, which is a great book. I'm sure you know that, and you probably read it and promoted it. I mean, he put in there that he shopped at Wilkes Basher before we bought it and after we bought it, which was very nice of him. And that sort of, I think, helped bless the fact that we weren't just investors, but we really were retailers that, that were on the selling floor and and were working one-on-one with customers and trying to to um, sell them or have them buy, rather rather than we sell them, have them buy things, clothing that they like and that they that they need and why they need it in today's day and age. <clears throat> yeah, can we rewind for uh, uh, just a, a little bit? Uh, earlier you were sure. talking about um, whenever your your publisher uh, asked if uh, if you wanted to, to write the book or if you wanted to work with a, a collaborator and you said yes, so then uh, he connected you with uh, Sonny Kleinfeld. Would you mind talking about your your relationship? How did it, how did it work with you having these ideas going back and forth and shaping the book. Well, what what, what I would do with Sonny, um, and by the way, he he when I had when I um, met him and and worked out my arrangement with him, he had already written like 20 books. He's a senior reporter for the New York Times, and the New York Times allows him to to work with an author one book a year or so. So they, 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 it's not a secret that he's like, I, we, I give him credit in the book, but he said for marketing reasons that I should just be the author. And, but because these are my ideas and he, he takes them. So I dict, either I dictate them. I, at one time I had a system that took verbatim dictation or I, now I can use my iPhone. First it was a BlackBerry, now it's an iPhone or an iPad, and I write in, either talk into it or I write in, write into it my stories about what's happening, about whatever. And I, first I have an outline in my head of where we're going, and then, and then Sonny then takes them, and he takes a lot of these stories that you say are that you've been more, you, you the real stories, and then he puts them in in an order that shapes the entire book. So it's a it's really a partnership between the two of us. So he really he's he's learned my DNA in terms of where I'm coming from. His he's he's gifted in the in the sense that that's one that he does feature stories primarily. He has I think two and two Pulitzer prizes. Well, he did all the lead stories for 9/11. He lived down uh, downtown in New York, and um, so he's. That's the kind of he loves the human interest stories. That's why we connected so well. Because he's a real hugger. He's a he's a quiet, introverted hugger, but he he just relates to what I have to say. So even today, if I if I have something I really want to do it for an article or.
something, I'll just call him and say, here's here's what I want to say, and I will write it down, or I'll send here's my some bullet points, and I give him, I just talk to him, and then he he sends it back, and it sounds like me. Jack, on on behalf of of, uh, of ghostwriters everywhere, can I tell you how much I appreciate you being uh, so forthright about that relationship? I think that that too many people have um, whenever they hear ghostwriter, they they think of of one person writing the book and um, someone else getting all the the credit. And that's that's not really professional ghostwriting. That's that's really just being a, a fraud. What right. you've described is what professional ghostwriting is, where it is a collaboration, where uh, someone who has the the skills, uh, someone who is a professional writer, comes together right. with someone who has the ideas and the experience and the expertise, the person who is the author, and captures their ideas and their voice in the unique medium that is a book. That's ghost. Well said, well said, Derek. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And but again I am a storyteller. In fact, you know, I have my kid with my wife candidly. My wife and I have been married fifty seven years, so it's worked out pretty well. Congratulations. Well. And and so and we have seven grandchildren, you know, five and four in college, one just graduated. Because we're working on the fourth generation for our family business, but anyway, she says, "Jack, tell me the end of the story. Tell me, don't, don't I don't need the whole story. <laughs> Just tell me the punchline." Because because she's very analytical, very data driven, very detailed oriented, and I'm, and she's an introverted thinker. She's not an introvert, but she's an introverted thinker. I'm an extroverted thinker. I get my energy by talking. And yeah. then by writing, if I talk, if I talk it out, then I write it. Then I something comes up that may be new or different, or that I really believe in strongly. Then I write it down. And I'm blessed now with an assistant that that while she doesn't take verbatim dictation, if I talk it, she just sits at the computer and write and types it up. And we've been working out for five years. She's probably even listening to part of this. She's in the next office. She's she's just. She knows she knows me, and I know her, and she, she'll say time out. And then she can also, like Sunny, she can clean, we call it clean it up a little bit. Just put it in a little bit better phrase, not not phrasing it differently, but making sure that, because she knows me well enough, that how, what I really mean by this story or that article that we're working on, or, or if I'm, by the way, I do a hug of the week story. This is, a, you like the stories. Um, because of how the book has influenced people here, you can imagine, we have to live up to the hugging culture. So if we make, when we make, everybody makes mistakes. You know, from my book, I say I love mistakes. So we all make mistakes. But when I wrote the book, now all of a sudden, if we, if we don't execute the extra mile and do something extra for the customer that makes them feel great, then they say, well, you look, you wrote the book. Where is this hugging stuff? So I write a hug. So I. Every every week on a Sunday, you know, be, or before, usually between Amy and I work on like just emails on a Sunday, I will find a story, or she will, but most of the time I will. They'll send them, people will send them to me from these eight stores of something that, that was important to do and that, that, that happened. And, I mean, a story that isn't in my book, just to give you one that's, we have, you know, this is a story of, 
um, um, gentleman that that is one of the top hedge fund men in the world, and he's flying in his plane somewhere in the in over this great country, and um, like in Montana, all of a sudden, and and he gets this call from his assistant that he has to be in Los Angeles to for, for a CNBC article, um, news thing, a very important that he wanted to wanted to do, been asking to do, and it came through. But he has no suit. He has no sport coat. He has his casual clothes. So we have his measurements. He's the kind of person that doesn't really like to come into the store. We go to his office to to fit clothes and so forth. And and but we have his measurements, and he's a 42 long, I think, something like that. And he buys Zanya clothing. So we tried to, and, and he wanted to, to what he always likes, just basic clothes. So we had either a blue suit or a blue striped suit. We didn't have one in Connecticut, but he needed this. For for an interview, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. I needed it for for the for tomorrow for the next morning in Los Angeles. Anyway, long story short, he we we found one. We had one in Brooks Bashford in San Francisco. We did the you know the tailor Antonello, who's been there for 20 years. Just he did up the alterations based on our got the shoes, got the shirt, the tie, the whole nine yards. Jeff Karelik, who who's in charge of our stores in California. He got in an airplane, flew down to Los Angeles, and at 10 o'clock had the suit ready to concierge, and the man got on the you know CNBC and made the uh, was was pleased as tickle pink, and you know I I can't even tell you who he was, but you can imagine. But it doesn't really matter who he was. We would do it for anyone. That's always always the point of the stories. Yeah. You know, and I mean we did one yesterday. It was in my last hug of the week this Sunday. Um, our story in Mario's somehow. They they forgot to put a polo shirt in to one of their top customers who was headed to I think Hawaii or somewhere somewhere in the Mexico the South and we had had a layover in San Francisco and Jeff went again Jeff Grella got in his car drove to the airport and gave him this polo shirt that we had we we had a similar one in San Francisco so he could take this polo shirt for some reason it was very very important to him and so we we just we we do those things. That's hugging your customers. That's who we are. But for me, it's, you know, then I get the re- response, because, but everybody sees that. I send it to the 405 people that work with us through emails. So, I mean, the, this this book, the, the first book that, that you wrote, it's been this catalyst for, maybe not for, for change, but maybe it's been the accelerator. For uh, for launching this this the second career of yours for having um, you know it's it's one thing to have a, a culture inside of of one store or in one geography but whenever you start uh, having you know geography uh, whenever you start working in geographies having multiple stores and people in in multiple geographies it, having that adhesive culture gets a little bit harder so but the between the the book and then the the things that the book has has launched it sounds like it has been this uh, i don't want to say unifier but it's been an incredible tool for you to spread this idea um not only with other companies but within your own company as it's grown from coast to coast yep thank you yeah, we're we're we're. It's been it's been a great journey, and and I don't think the journeys are. I think the best days and the years are are to come. As we're having 
We're having fun, you know, even until you know, we're, we are online now. I don't know if you, you should go online. We're trying to personalize relationships um, on the internet. So we, for example, if you if you sign into all your passwords and everything, you could, you're if you're a customer, which is why we started because we knew our customers were also buying online. Up pops the picture of sales associate that is responsible for you. We don't we don't we're not no one's on commission. The stores we bought in in, in Mario's are still on commission, but the rest of the stores are not. We but we like to build relationships with a sales associate. And then, and then we can you can help navigate through the entire site. Let's say you sit by a pair of Todd shoes, like the pair of Todd shoes I have on here right now, talking with you. Um, we I didn't have in my size, but I liked them. They're like they're like leather suede sneakers. And I saw that we had them in San Francisco, so we I they sent them in for me, and I didn't have to. I don't even I don't have to buy them until I like them. And that's called reserve in store. So sometimes our customers. You know, these days you have, to, you, have to, you have to return everything. Well, we just have it. If you're a customer, you say, well, I'll be in next Tuesday and see if I like the Todd shoes. Well, that's great for us too, Derek, because that, that brings you into the store. And maybe you don't like the shoes, but maybe you'd like some other shoes or you forgot to buy your, your spouse uh, it's your anniversary and you forgot, to, forgot about it and you buy him a nice diamond ring or something. So all of a sudden, so it's a way that we're generating business through using the internet as really a um, omni-channel uh, vehicle. Well, Jack, before um, before I, I let you get back to uh, any of your many in endeavors, plus keeping up with uh, four, <laughs> five, seven grandchildren, um, are there any uh, parting words of, of wisdom or advice that you'd give to to people who are thinking about or trying to write a business book? I would just, I would urge every, I think there's a book in a lot of people, and I would urge them to really do it. It's a wonderful experience to write a book, and it isn't as difficult as I think a lot of people think. If you find, like I did, a collaborator, I mean, you need help. I mean, I've always needed help in everything that we've done. We've had a business family consultant. We have an advisory board. So you need help to do it, it should read your book and you should get find out how, how there are various ways to do it, but get it out, put it down on a piece of paper, write it down. I, it's a, it's a, I would don't hesitate. I mean, just try, it may take longer than you think. Maybe it doesn't, maybe it, maybe you can just sit down and write it up. I mean, I have one son who just, who has this unbelievable skill, Dark. He just, he did, he did it in junior high school and he did it in college. He just sits down, he thinks about it and just does it right up. Very rarely changes more than a few words. That's not I am I. But once once you finish it, you know that's it. You you can't always make edits because you could be editing forever. But I I would just urge anyone that's you have a book in you, get it out. That's great advice. Get and it do out. it. Do it, like Nike says. Go for it. And it's fun. Yeah, it is. It's it's always a different experience than uh, than I think anybody anticipates it being. But it's I've never heard someone who finished their book who said that it wasn't worth it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And in my book, I mean, it, it's I had to. People have said to me, 
and I think it's true. I mean, I had I had to hug I have to hug myself first. That sounds, you know, chauvinistic or you know too self-centered, but you have to have confidence that you can do it. And once you start it and it and it just flows out, then it's 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 really magic when it when it when you see something pop up that you've written. And if people like it, it's even nicer like yourself. I deeply appreciate your kind words about about my book and and how it's moved you and and others too. I think it's a wonderful example of what business books this should be. Thank you very much. <laughs> it has been my pleasure. Well, um, for everyone listening, uh, of course, uh, uh, I recommend uh, reading uh, "Hug Your Customers," and then there's. Uh, and uh, Jack was kind enough to send me a, a second edition of Hug Your Customers. There's also Hug Your People. Um, you can go to uh, to Jack's website, HugYourCustomers.com, which is about the book and, and, and what Jack's doing to promote the ideas in it. But at the same time, do yourself a favor and go to Mitchells.com, which is the umbrella under which all of their, their stores sit. And, and there are some great videos on there and some other resources and ideas and you get a, a real sense of uh, of the the business that's behind uh, behind these books and if you if you read uh, the the book and you you get familiar with the stores you can get a great idea of how the book helps the stores and the stores helps the the book there's this uh, beautiful alignment there of um of help of of the one helping the the other, which I think is is what uh, business books ultimately should do. They should um, they should be aligned with whatever your strategic goals are, and uh, and if you have a, a place based business or a service based business or whatever it is, they should complement uh, complement each other. And hug your customers as a as an example of uh, of exactly how to to do that. Well, Jack, again, um, thank you so much, and uh, I sincerely hope that uh, we get to meet in person sometime. Let's do it for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great evening. And same to you.